Good morning, Bucks fans. How's everybody doing? Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. It is time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. And man, is it fun when we have breaking news right before our show. It's like they did it for us. I think they did. I think so, that they were like, you know what? Casey and Scott are really going to want to talk about this. Let's make (laughs) sure we get this deal done now. So let's begin with the breaking news. Tell us what it is. Well, the Buccaneers have signed veteran cornerback Richard Sherman. Uh, obviously a five-time Pro Bowler most recently in 2019. He only played five games last year due to some injuries, but um, the last time he played a full season, he was in the Pro Bowl. I I think this is still a player who can offer quite a bit, and it's it's important right now because the Bucs are are having a little bit of trouble in the secondary, both statistically and because of injuries. You know, Sean Murphy bunting, we don't know when he's going to come back. We don't know if Jamel Dean is going to be able to play this week. Um, due to the knee injury he suffered against Los Angeles. And so, I mean, you go out, it's, it's reminiscent of last year, really, and how that worked. That worked out very well. Jason Light was very aggressive last year, believing he had a championship roster. Tom um, Brady is your quarterback. And, you know, he made every aggressive move along the way. Was, I, I know there were times when we signed Gr- Rob Gronkowski and Leonard Fournette and Antonio Brown, where some people were just laughing, like, are you going to sign everybody that's available, that's a veteran that, you know, has been good at some point in their career? And, it all became important in the end. I think you remember every single point scored in the Super Bowl was by a guy signed that year. So it's it's a continuation of that. The Bucks championship window is open and Jason Light is moving aggressively to make sure he does everything he possibly can to make take advantage of that. Yeah, and we had a question from Richard asking how soon can Sherman suit up? A question from Richard? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's him? He's, he wants to know. It is, yes. Yeah, Richard Sherman is is asking could, us. Uh, hey, guys. Play? Yeah, I, I'm ready. Put me in, coach. <laughs> Well, he could suit up immediately. He could be, uh, if he's here, which I think he is, because uh, he physically signed, he could practice this morning uh, in about an hour, and he could play uh, against, um, I mean, is he, I wonder if it's a, is, is that a procedural question? Like, uh, So I think there's probably, or? there's probably a lot to it of one, we all know that the COVID rules have definitely changed sometimes people's availability of how long it took with the intake, but that's a little bit different now this year with vaccines. But also yeah. I'm sure it might even just be, would he be ready by Sunday? Ready. Yeah, the fact that he's a, a savvy veteran um, probably wouldn't have too much trouble picking up this defense leads me to believe he'll be playing pretty quickly. This Sunday, I wouldn't count it out. I really wouldn't, especially if Jamel Dean can't go. And at the very least, you have him active and you work him in you know, to some degree. And if it's going well, then you just keep him in. Yeah, and then Daniel had asked, uh, how do you think his experience will help our younger players as well? Yeah, if there's any position on this team that they could use an infusion of a veteran know-how and experience, it is the secondary. And, it, you know, it's funny, the league puts out, after the first week of the season, the league puts out these notes about the rosters, who has the tallest average roster and the, and the youngest and the oldest and so on. And the Buccaneers, to nobody's surprise, after week one, had the oldest roster in the league on average and had the most 30-plus-year-old players on their team. And that's sprinkled all around most positions, but not the secondary. The secondary was all very young and it was a good thing. I mean, as we saw last year at the end, that secondary was really playing well and it's all young players. So you can project that these guys can stay together for a long time. And that's, that's a good thing, but it's also a good thing now to have this veteran experience in that room, which really didn't have it. And we've had some people bringing up uh, the idea of the pressure uh, that that was something that coach Arians brought up after the game. And so let's just talk through the ways that the secondary affects the pressure and the pressure affects the secondary. And now bringing in Richard Sherman, could that be something that helps with both areas? 
Sure. And it's everybody says it, including players, that the the rush and the and the coverage go together. They, you know, they have to work together and that uh, you know, the the guys in the secondary can help the rushers up front by covering longer and giving giving them longer to get to the quarterback because he has to hold on to the ball. And the guys that are rushing can help the secondary by making them have to get rid of the ball quicker or not get rid of the ball at all or affect their throws. And that's all true. But in my mind, this the rush is the thing that has to come first because there's only so long you can cover in the NFL against any quarterback, but especially against the caliber of quarterbacks that the Buccaneers have faced so far this year. And it was plainly obvious in the Rams game that after the first couple of series, we had a, a couple of nice uh, pressures and got off the field. But after that, there was almost no pressure on Matthew Stafford. And he was sitting back there for a long time on a lot of plays. And, you know, the secondary was doing the best they could. In some cases, Bruce Arians did have some criticism of some of some of their technique and how they ran certain coverages. But in the end, you're just not going to be able to stop a good NFL quarterback from piling up the yards if there's no pressure on him at all. And then uh, we, Gil, Gilbert asked what I think is a little bit more of a rhetorical question, but I thought it brought up a, uh, a good topic. He said, how did Tom have the most rushing yards in the game? So uh, I figured that would be a good jumping off point to talk about the the run game and and why it maybe isn't uh, a great thing when Tom Brady is your, is your no, leading rusher. No. I mean, it, there's good and bad here. I mean, he had a nine yard run, which I think might be his longest as a Buccaneer. Um, he had the one yard touchdown run. Uh, he had a six yard run, I think, in the game before. And the funny thing is, last year, Tom Brady carried the ball for the Buccaneers in the regular season 30 times for a total of six yards. <laughs> you just, there was no mobility at all. And of course, a lot of that is kneel downs because those all count as rushes. But the point is, he was never going to run last year. He still doesn't want to. After, um, after the uh, Falcons game, when he'd had a, a key run, uh, he was joking at the podium after the game about how he was like nervous when he started to run. He was looking behind him, expecting to get a hit. It was all very funny, but it was clear running is not part of his plan, but the knee is better this year. And if he has to, he can pick up a crucial yard or two from time to time. That's a good thing. Obviously it's not a good thing when he leads the team rushing because he's not Lamar Jackson and his team leading total was 14 yards. So none of our running backs had more than 14 yards and that's a bad thing some of that has to do as is always the case when you're losing by a couple of touchdowns to the fact that you change your game plan and you throw the ball on almost every play but the running game we can't cover up the fact that the running game has not been effective yet and Bruce Arian says it enough that I believe him that he wants a more balanced attack we just have not gotten there yet and um, you know he wants that so the play action has more bite to it and then we, uh, Tamarius asked, are there any updates on AB's and JPP's health status? Um, and then I figured we could also just talk about if, you know, if they are and if they aren't available, what that will mean for the team and stepping up for them after what we saw about how the team handled it this last week. I'm not optimistic about JPP just because the way that coach answered the question about whether he'd be available this week, he said the kind of thing like, well, with JPP, you never know, but made me made me think that he doesn't really expect JPP to, to make it back by this game due to shoulder injury. You know, and that's a shame as we were just talking, the Bucks need more pass rush and he's a good pass rusher. So you miss him while he's out. Um, Antonio Brown went on the COVID list last Wednesday. If it's anything like Kevin Minter's timetable, we should feel pretty confident he'll be back. Kevin Minter went on the COVID list the previous Monday and just came off it this Monday. So it was one week for him. I mean, every guy isn't the same. You have to be asymptomatic and return two negative tests 
within 24, uh, 24 hours apart to come back before 10 days. But I, that seems to be the case with vaccinated players. So I'm pretty optimistic he'll be back. And that's a good thing because I think Scotty Miller's injury is severe enough that it may force him to injured reserve. Um, coach called it pretty severe. And a turf toe is a tough injury to overcome. So I know it doesn't sound like much, but it's a pretty bad injury. And it's one that often knocks guys out for a pretty significant amount of time. So his return would really be timely because I think we'll be without Scotty Miller for a little bit. Right. And uh, we also had a question from Bella asking, how is Gronk and what kind of percent will he be on Sunday? Well, we'll find out in the next few days. I think Coach was cautiously optimistic about it on Monday. You know, he did return to the game. So after the injury, so at least, you know, he can play with it. Um, you know, there was the he, coach was talking about after the game, how the long flight back from Los Angeles was a bit of a bummer for players who were injured like Jamel Dean, because, you know, injuries to like knees and, and other joints tend to swell up on long flights. So, but that was three days ago. So hopefully there's been time for those guys to recover. We'll see in the next couple of days, but I, I'm not too worried about Gronkowski. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks as always for joining us and those great questions. Enjoy the rest of the week and the game leading up to the Patriots on Sunday night. See you then.